from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. And you're listening to Live from the Path, coming to you from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. I don't even want to know what was said. Hey, man. I don't want to know. Nothing was said. No. That's true. <laughs> nothing, nothing technically was said. I so love what happened. Yet, I don't want to know about it. Here, said. Here's what we got going on the show uh, this evening. One, I, I, I uh, reading, but Boova will connect with this, I think. I've been reading in uh, First Samuel last week. Yeah, and um, I, it occurs to me that perhaps I've become a bit cavalier in how I think about obedience to the Lord. Okay, even in recognition um, of His goodness and and holiness, uh, I I I, I just I, I wonder if I've become a bit cavalier. And this is uh, two two um, situations in that rough time frame in Israel. Um, give me this impression. The first one is um, Saul, who offers a sacrifice because Samuel's running behind. <laughs> and he basically lost the kingship and got cursed because of that. And uh, secondly, when the <laughs> was the Philistine, somebody who had stolen the ark and they're trying to bring the ark back. And like, uh, anyway, the, 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 the folks are moving the ark around and to keep it from falling over, some dude reaches Uzziah. out to, to, to grab it and dies. Right. And uh, I think to myself, man, I mean, isn't the Lord overreacting? And then I think to myself, well, that seems like the wrong thing to think, doesn't it? Yeah, but think right. about it. He didn't die because God was mad at him. Like, you merely cannot do what God, God told you specifically not to touch it for your own benefit. Well, it does say specifically right then that the Lord's fear or the Lord's anger was was kindled against him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. I thought that too. Like, I thought, no, the dude's dying because he can't stand in the presence of the Lord or touch the mercy seat. But like, it literally says, and Uzziah grabbed a hold of the ark as the oxen like slipped or something, and the Lord's anger was kindled against him, and then David got mad at the Lord. Because he yep. did that, because it, call, it calls it again in, in First Chronicles yep. of what it happens. And this is this is the same thing as Moses's kids offering strange yep. fire. And so I want to talk about that a little okay. bit. Uh, I think it's it's got implications on how um, I think how we approach a few a few different things. As a matter of fact, there was a conversation we were having before the show uh, having to do with uh, demons and healings and things that they actually think there's a relevance to how we think about this mm-hmm. so yeah we talk about this stuff even when we're not on air it's crazy yeah you, yeah okay so we're gonna hit that up also there was um new release tuesday is is the name of a uh, christian um they they publish um like a newsletter and facebook page and stuff about like um christian music uh-huh. Right, and uh, the the musical comes out on Tuesday, and they say like, "Hey, they do album reviews and whatever." Dude, dude wrote an article, I think, a few years ago, and it was about like uh, the rise of um, like rough stuff in Christian music. So foul language, like like curse words, mm-hmm. um, like music, the iffy. yeah, like yeah, like significant curse words, oh. right? Um, <laughs> oh, not just not we, just the. D we're going to let the street cursing go. Not the, not the H-E double hockey sticks. No, like and um and Shield. music videos with uh scantily clad ladies in it, 
And just and so it, like he'd had a reaction, and then he said he largely let it go. And then I, I saw an article this week where he's like, "I just I can't believe we're bringing this up again." But like, this has gotten worse. And and it was it was news to me. Now, granted, I don't listen to a lot of um, uh, I don't know released Christian music. I don't know. Like, I'm not some kind of underground hipster either. I just have a very narrow right. ground of things that I listen to. I don't listen to the radio really. Uh, and so maybe I'm just missing them. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, anyway, I, w- I want to read through this article and get our reaction about how do you think about Christian stuff that claims to be Christian music that's got these types of themes and words and things, and you kind of mash it up with, there was a, um, at least briefly, but it happened, number one on the Christian charts this week came from a a cross-dresser. Like like a, uh, oh, I used a 1985 word. What do I mean? Some of this gender fluid? No, 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 drag? no. Drag? Yeah, drag queen. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. No, trans, no, that's even, what's even farther back, Mike? I don't know. You can't. <laughs> I like to watch NYPD Blue. <laughs> and Rocky Horror Picture Show, apparently. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, okay, so, so we got those two things on the docket. Um, I had... No, I think that's all I got. And then we'll do some advice on Dear Life from the Path. Unless I miss something, we can pick it up as we go. Yeah. Okay. All right, so... Question one. First Samuel. It, is it... Is it possible... Okay, so you can rehash the stories. Uh, Samuel says, um, Saul, they're about to attack the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And uh, Samuel's a week out, and they know this. And so before they were going to attack, they're going to wait, and they're going to say, well, when Samuel gets here, he's going to do a sacrifice, kind of bless the battle, and then we're going to go out and do the thing. say, because Samuel's the prophet in this situation. Uh, he's the judge. Ah, yes. Right, judge yes. prophet. Oh, well, I, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And so... Um, so Samuel's there. He's the guy who anointed Saul. This is mm-hmm. Israel's king. Actually, I was also thinking this week how embarrassing this is. Samuel's about to die, and he gets in front of all these people, and he basically goes, look, God gave you the king. This was a mistake, but God <laughs> found a king. And Saul has got to be right there because it's yeah. since he addressed the people of Israel. So, like, Saul's just kind of listening yeah. to Samuel go, what a mistake you this was. You asked for a bag of crap, and God gave it to you. And it, yeah. also, <laughs> it also makes it seem like he chose Saul because he was tall. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's ahead above everybody He's else. He's ahead above everybody else. Yeah. Saul just sitting over there. Like God's like that one. That one. I can I solve one problem for you. Yeah. He will be easily seen when addressing a crowd. I saw him first. Actually, it's funny if you listen to the way historians talk about George Washington. That's they'll like say he was ahead above everybody else. Like oh, he was just funny. a bigger dude. And so anyway. Um, Samuel, they're supposed to wait for Samuel, and he's he's supposed to be there in a week. He's not there, and Saul goes, "Look, we we're supposed to be heading into battle," and so he makes the sacrifice. And when Samuel shows up, Samuel goes, "Well, what the heck are you doing, man? Like, you, I, I was, I do this. That's not your move, yeah, yeah." And and Saul's explanation, and this is where I want you to hear yourself in this, okay? Because I I saw myself in here. Saul goes. We were going to go into battle, and like you weren't here. I don't know what happened to you. It's not like Samuel's got a cell phone or like he. Li- they literally do not know where Samuel's at. He was mm-hmm. supposed to be here, and he goes, "We're going to end up in battle, and I did not want to go forward without having sacrifice to God." Right. So he says, "I did the right thing. I I got the end part right. Yep. This was how it was supposed to be, and so we. I I honored God. That was my intent was to honor God. Okay." And so he honors God in this way, or at least that's his belief. And then Samuel goes, not, not only uh, it was that the wrong thing to do, but you're going to lose your kingship right. as a result of it. Yep. Like that's this is where it comes out. You're going to lose your kingship. Uh, 
Now they, have to, they Jonathan still leads this battle and they end up still winning. Yep. Okay. But like this is the beginning of the end. The man just got the king. He just became the king. And now he lost it <laughs> yeah. because he did something that he said, I, I, I want to show honor to God before we go forward. Yeah, it seems like started a, off pretty hard. Like in a good way. Yep. He seemed to be going the right direction. Like it felt right as 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 it started out with what he was saying, and then it just went south real quick. Yep. Yep. Rough. Yeah. And so, and like I said, I, the, the other two examples that then popped into my mind as I'm thinking through this was Moses' two sons offer a sacrifice, or what the, the Bible kind of describes as strange fire, uh, things like an unauthorized sacrifice, mm-hmm. um, even though they were the right guys. I was going to say, are were they priests? Yes. Like okay. they're in Moses' line. They're allowed. Okay. Yeah. And so it's something about the sacrifice that was unwelcome. Right, that yeah, it was like at the done. wrong time that they brought in the fire into the tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then the other one was, again, like, the ark was going to tip, and you're like, the ark of God, it can't tip out. We, we wouldn't allow it to debate, be debased by falling into the ground. Dude reaches out for it, and then bam, judgment. Was it, did he say that, like, that Samuel's the only one that could run this sacrifice? Well, uh, he, it, was the, he was the prophet in that situation that would have been responsible for doing that. I remember, like, are we still on Levitical the, duties the here? Army. Like, is is yeah. Saul not a Levite? He's not. Yeah, he's no. not allowed. Yeah, he's, okay. he, yeah, he, was he shouldn't have done not it. sacrifice guy. So, so like, what he it, knew that. What it brings to mind to me is like, if you read through the dredges, or what you guys say is fruitful of the tail into Exodus, and then through all the laws of Leviticus, uh-huh. like you realize that God is very yep. on purpose. Yes. Like he spells it out like I, probably eight times. Right. If you plan on using not fine twined, uh, whatever you know, what I'm saying if yep. you plan, if you thought you're only going to put three rings on the mercy seat, like he said eight times, you're going to yep. put four. Yep. And they're going to be this cubits away. <laughs> and like he just was not mincing any words. He repeated things four times. And so like it seems like like an a cursory reading if you skip say the tail into Exodus and through the laws of Leviticus and then go, yeah, like just taken in its own seat. You're like, I don't know. Someone had to do like Saul's reasoning seems pretty reasonable. Right. You know, except for God, like had interacted with them previously and was very specific on all the things. It'd be like, Hey, like we, we had a, we had a goat and we really needed to eat it. And all we had was its mother's milk. It's the we, only it's thing the we had. We could boil it in? So we had to boil it in there. Like, I mean, what were you expect us to do? Not eat the goat at all? Eat raw goat. And like God's answer is yes. 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 I told you specifically not to do that, right? Okay. All right. So interestingly, almost that exact situation where you get the showbread uh-huh. that are only for the priests and David shows David up. David comes in. And says, we don't have any bread. And they go, here, take the showbread. Yeah, eat it. And and all the priest asked was, look, have you... Have you kept yours your fellows been pure have they been non-sexually active and he's like we're out for battle of course <laughs> and so they gave him the bread eat the bread and then jesus uses it as, as an example yeah jesus affirms the example right talking about the sabbath right yep yeah okay so where's the line at right like if jesus <laughs> can look back fondly on the bread of the presence eating and say you were setting up like was it was it a man-made rule the bread of the presence was a levite only yep. eats yes yep. right because yep. that was their that was their uh, essentially their payment part of their payment was like they got that that was that was what was allowed for them to eat because they were not working anywhere else they were taking care of the temple mm. or the the tabernacle yep so nathaniel did, sorry did you have something no okay well maybe i don't know i don't think so have confidence continue on scintillating <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, one of the things i thought of 
is that like run the risk um, of being too cavalier with the end. So like there are places that, so one of the things I was trying to think through is like, why does God care here? Mm -hmm. Like what, like what are these, why these things have to exist for, for reason. And and so the thing that I, that I, that whatever either came to me was um, we, I think run the risk of becoming very flippant with his holiness. Mm. And so think, think about the, think about the stuff that he put in place so that it was very clear to people um, that he was set apart from them. Okay. Mm -hmm. To to recognize his goodness, his purity, his just, his, his justness, his holiness, Um, physical location of which only certain people could go, go, could go into. Right. Right. Um, the the separation, the clean, unclean on things that normal humans do, right. like die and menstruate. And he goes, yep, I understand it's not a sin, but can't come in but here unclean. where you've interacted with it, right? Physical representations, okay? And so who gets to make these types of things and interact with God in this way? He's very clear about who it is because it's a reminder of his, of his holiness. Now, I think about – think of how – uh, okay, everybody in the room is married. Think about when you first got married. I wouldn't. I don't. I, I can't find a, a better phrase th- than what I want. I don't want you tipped. You walked on eggshells, but like you appreciated the new situation that you were in mm-hmm. and the relationship that you had with this person in a closeness that you didn't have before. Okay, you honored it. You you were careful on how you interacted with this person. Okay, now for those uh, the longer you are married. I'll be on uh, 18 years this year. Mike, same? Pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. So. I got three. Okay, three. Nathaniel? Uh, it'll be nine. Okay, nine years. Okay, you're almost t- almost a 10. Yeah. You thinking ahead, Nathaniel? You got plans for 10? I'm I'm planning big. Okay, okay. Good <laughs> planning man. big for 10. Good man. So, like, the longer you're in this those types of relationships, the more you become comfortable with the people in there. And the riskier it becomes that you start treating them in such a way that doesn't resemble the, the way you right. first did, right? It's a human – it's a normal human tendency. And so I, I, I just wonder if those type – these things exist because humans cannot handle the casualness of that type of interaction for in, in this type of situation. Now, hold hold to that because now we're going to have to deal with Jesus and kind of New Testament-ish stuff. Right. Because that stuff makes sense to me. And then Jesus shows up as a human, and now you have a very interesting dichotomy because Jesus continues to treat Yahweh with reverence. Right. Um, he, it's, it's, it's not like he goes in there and starts offering sacrifices. The priests are still doing it. Mm-hmm. Like he, well, him, yes, eventually, okay? Um, but then again, Jesus is walking the earth, and you are interacting with God as human in a very casual way. Touch grab on the hem of his coat. He's touching people in the face and blessing folk, right? It, and so it, I think it presents to us a casualness in our interactions with God like that um, I, th- I, I think you w- – I think is okay. Actually, I think you can keep, but now you have to be cautious not to lose the right view of God, mm-hmm. his holiness, his goodness. And it is to a certain extent that when he says to do something, you should not be – reacting those things in a cavalier manner and so even jesus right like if he says hey man cut off cut off your right arm he doesn't really mean that but like 
He said, knock it off. Like, you need to stop doing this. You're harming your, like, when you're looking at other people in a lustful way um, and you're acting outside of what I created for good, not only are you harming yourself, but you're likely harming the world around you. You need to stop it. It wasn't just, oh, buddy, I really think you should, you know, you should think about giving that up. Or, like, take, take how fierce he is about forgiveness. Like, I don't know how many people, like, this is their barrier. People I've talked to, this is their barrier to Christianity. I cannot forgive like that. I cannot. I can do, I'll go to the church and I'll do the things, but like, I can't, I'm not in a place to do that. And like, I'm, you sure as hell are. Like, I'm not saying it's not difficult, but like, these are the things that Jesus is calling you to, the things that he says are good. And like, I, I do think in the, in, in eyes for our own fallibility, in graciousness to our own fallibility, we do run the risk of kind of slowly like chipping away at the holiness of God, even if his holiness is, is always directed at our good. Right. He's a strong, good, awesome father, but he he is telling you that this is, these are the good things. And like the casual, his, his forgiveness is, is fierce and unrelenting as he expects our forgiveness to be. But it's not because he diminished the call to begin with. He didn't diminish the call to say, Hey, go and sin no more. He didn't stop saying that thing. And he meant it that time. But he's gracious about our fallibilities. But like I do, I do just it feels like it is a question of God's holiness and how I and how I position myself to him in that way. If I'm cavalier about how I interact with him and probably how I respond to his direction for my life. Yeah, it, it brings to mind the people that say like, oh, my Jesus wouldn't do that. Like as if you have a separate version. Yeah. Like that, that. Bows, bows to your whim. Personal or, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> or people like that will say, uh, yeah, I like to worship him in my own way. You should probably worship him how he said to be worshipped. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the flat out truth. You say that to an Old Testament God. <laughs> it's rough times. Yeah. You, you're they're the strange fire twins. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You're the doofuses that like, yeah. yeah, but God will really dig on this. It's like your it's like your 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 granddad coming up to you and say, You know what I want for Christmas? I want a pair of these. I want a pair of these pants, and that's they're exactly what I want. You can find them at the store. They're fifteen bucks. This is what I want, and then you show up with some kind of second-rate pants, like and go here. Here's what I got you, and you're like, I found this to be pleasing to you, and it was not at all. Oh, that cuts me deep. Okay, side story. When I was in seventh grade, first time, you know, seventh grade, you go to junior high, you start mixing all these people you never went to school with. Okay, I was in a secret Santa in my homeroom. And there was a man in my homeroom. I, 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 this feels relevant to the story, but I'm I not sure what it is. Uh, he's the only African-American in the school. Yeah. Like, that's it. There's one. There's one in my school district. Okay. He's my secret Santa. He goes uh, on his list was, I'd like a pair of Nike socks. I said, okay, no problem. Uh, I'm sick that day. But the day before I'd gone out and like wherever I went, I could not find these Nike socks. And so I bought a pair of Adidas. I was just about to say it was Adidas, wasn't it? It was. That's. I must have been Walmart. It seems like a Walmart thing to do, you know? How dare you? And so, and then I'm not there to even defend it and to go, hey, man, I wanted to get the Nike, but they weren't there. It looks like I just bought the pair of socks that, like, that was Close four bucks cheaper you. or something, you know? Cheaper, easier, whatever. And it felt, I don't know, like you could read the whole thing wrong. The whole thing felt bad. And to the, like, I bet I think of that every two or three months. 
It pops, it pops into my head. And I thought, like, I did Jamal wrong. Yeah, you did. I did him wrong. Yeah, you did. And I even tried not to do him wrong. And then I, then I think I never even said anything. Like, I didn't have the I didn't have the stones to try to set it yeah. right or explain Look, myself. Man, I really wanted, but I, I failed. I you did figure out where he's at now and send him a pair of Nike socks. Yeah. Dude, I'm sorry. I, I did you wrong, and I think about it all the time. Yeah, it's, it's really weighing on me. <laughs> Here's the deal. I'm saying that jokingly, but you should absolutely do that. Yeah, I should find him. Okay. That would be hilarious. That'd be hysterical. <laughs> be like, Jamal, we've never talked about this. Yeah. But when we were in seventh grade, I tried to get you the Nike socks, but the Walmart didn't have them, so I got the Adidas. Yeah. But I'm here to make this right. Yeah. Because I've thought about this every day for the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, man. Anyway, relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why were the, the, the sons of Moses in the tent doing the strange fire at the time? Was it because Moses was gone with Aaron and, or was that, where did they just go in at the, the non-appointed time for that specific sacrifice? I can't remember in that story why they were in the, in the place at the wrong time. Uh, I don't, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was, oh, I don't, hold on. I got, hold on. Cause it was the tent of meeting, right? Like that was I where the deal was where they, they had to use the same fire, keep the same fire kindled all the time and reuse that same fire from the same source. And they were bringing in, you know, something they just struck up with a, oh. with the flint and steel. Yeah. I don't know. Like, oh, we let it burn out on accident. So, I mean, it doesn't say that ex- uh, explicitly, <laughs> but you know. This sounds like something that could happen. Just a bunch of good old boys. We brought the fire, Jesus. We brought, we brought it up, you know. No Jesus and then, you know, now that's, you got the wrong fire. That's a good thought, though, is like God would not give you like like he, his intentionality that you had that you would you could not succeed at. Right. Like without giving you a way to redeem it. Right. So like you do you feel like he built in human fallibility in the way that the temple would run or just said, you can do this, right? I mean, like he called it to some, to, to a high standard yeah. and they met it most like what there's like what a couple instances where it didn't turn out right. But for years and years and years, this thing oh. doing its gig. I thought, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd looked into this before. So I think I, uh, my belief was that there was two, two options. The first, so first, this isn't Moses's kids. These are Aaron's kids. Okay, yeah, well, they're definitely leaving. That's what. Okay, that's what's throwing me off. I was Sorry, like, I didn't think Moses's kids were priests. No, they're Aaron's. Okay. They're Aaron's kids. Um. Okay, and so incense was made by mixing spices together yep. and vaporizing them. Yep. And so it's possible that the strange fire is a description of any one of those items coming from an unclean source. Uh, Coals that come from somewhere from the, uh, yep. other than the altar. A mix of spices that weren't allowed. Wrong time of day. Blah blah blah. Okay. Right. Uh, however, the core of the issue is that it was a fire which God had not commanded them. And so even yeah. if it was right, right, even if the contents were fine. Like, he didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for it. Right. And so it had been very clear that God's priests are to obey the, the law promptly and exactly. Certainly Aaron's sons know better than to freelance. And here they are. That's interesting. That's actually that's a, a similar description of, of what I've heard recently about the Tower of, uh, of Babel was uh, that was not the only tower of its kind. Yes. Um, it was it was looked at in a lot of societies as a uh, linkage point between the earth and the heavens for gods to be able to come down um, to physically manifest among their people. And so God did not need a, uh, a, a, a stepping stone to come down to earth. Uh, and which is one of the reasons that he scattered it. Yes. And he so also it, found it pathetic and said, well, I guess we'll go see what they're doing down there because it was not visible from the heavens. <laughs> He's like, what is that, like 30 feet? Yeah, I guess, I guess we'll nothing. go look and you see what You don't even know what a foot is yet. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, no, that's interesting is, as like, 
even with the intentions of of being sacrificial to God and ascribing worth to him, he didn't ask for it. It well, wasn't the right time. But yeah. that's the big danger, so right? Because the society that they were growing that they were existing in had multitude of gods on offer, right? Like people yeah. deciding how they were going to worship those gods was rampant. Oh, and, right. and so God says, look, like I, he was setting them apart and saying, you need to follow exactly what I say yep. because I don't want it looking like it's the same thing with the mix of polyester and the whatever. Like yeah. some of the some of the, the laws that were in they're like you you're gonna look holy. You're gonna you're gonna live set apart. Right. And it means that things that aren't even inherently sinful, you're still not gonna participate in because it doesn't need to smell like ball. Yeah, sin, sinful and cleanliness aren't exactly aren't always the same thing in in a lot of those laws. Yeah, I they're definitely correctly. not. Yeah, definitely no, yeah, not. they're not the same thing. Yeah. Now, interestingly, like that same chapter, um, God reiterates a warning to Aaron, and he doesn't speak to Aaron. This is like the one time he speaks to Aaron after his son's are destroyed. Uh, and he says, a reminder, uh, you're not to be drinking alcohol in the area. And so it's very possible that part of what draws them into offering a sacrifice is like they'd been drinking. Yeah, like there's a, there's an, there's a self-importance behind it, possibly. I mean, it's not for sure there, but like it just feels like a, a level of like we are going to bring this to our God because we can we can offer him something even if he didn't ask for it. We can bring him something that that will be cleansing to his nostrils, like the, an incense that he will appreciate. Here's what we made, Lord. Kind of thing, like yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It may not be one to one for sure. There's self importance there, and that's why it was a problem, also. And just, it might be, it might tie in a little bit to Jesus' parables about tithing, like with the mint and the dill, and like you're not doing the things that I asked you to do in the first place, and then you offer <laughs> me this strange fire, as if this, right. like I told you exactly what I asked for, and and like I, I'm not like lacking. You're not, you're not like adding to me. I just need you to obey. I'm not that's, short on dill. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The whole world. It Leave goes me alone. It goes back to um, Jesus saying, like the quoting back to Micah and saying, like I desire worship. You know, like a mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah. And so, like uh, you're you're showing up and you're doing all the sacrifices, but your heart's bad and you're not doing the other things that I asked for. And so, no, I won't. I won't honor this. And these fellows are saying, look, we, like we sacrificed. And he goes, I didn't ask, I didn't ask for that. I, I want you to do what I asked you to do. Yeah. And that, and that's the other thing is like Yahweh always has a, a direct sight on the heart of why someone is doing something. Right. So even something on its face that you're like, well, I don't know. That action seemed altruistic and like no problem right. at all. God goes, yeah, except for Saul was trying to be a big man here. He wasn't, he wasn't sacrificing to me because. He he felt like he needed me on the way to battle. He he said, "I'm sacrificing him because I want to win the battle. That's why it wasn't to honor me; it was to honor himself." I don't know if that was the case, right? But like it God has, yeah. God has yeah. all the eyes to see that and knows whether people can make it. Like, which is why he would you know, overall disgusted in some of the the worship that were that we're offering. Well, it's, and I keep coming back to that Uzziah thing where where he touched the the ark and died, right? Like. The reason the ark is moving in the first place is because God allowed him or allowed his ark to be taken by the Philistines. Yes, yes. Like like David went and got his ark back and started bringing it back to town uh, and then ended up Uzziah dies from touching it. And then David's like, I can't even have this in my house. This has to go to another house for a couple of months before I can even bring it back. Like, it's an interesting thing that I keep running into of like, did Uzziah... Even in that moment, as he thought, oh, we can't let the ark fall, 
not think that Yahweh was perfectly capable of stopping that ark from going wherever it was going to go. Like, that ark could have just stopped itself. God could have changed anything. There's nothing that Uzziah needed to do for God that God could not have done for himself. Yeah, actually, that brings up an interesting point is because when they took it, they put it in what? In the Temple of Dagon? They yes. put it in multiple places. And, and, and the, it melted. Yeah. To, yes, exactly. I right. love that part. And so so think of that conceptually, though. You would say the Ark should not go – That the belief then from a, from a human perspective, the Ark should not go places where it could otherwise be tarnished by the uncleanliness of the world. It's freaking right in the middle of that place. It can't be. And it yeah. owned it. Yes, right. 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 And so it's a human attempt to guard something on God's behalf in a way that he did not prescribe. No. Right. Yeah, no, I love that part where it's sitting in the Temple of Dagon, and then the temple keeps falling over, and they're freaking out, going, what's going on? That's why he said, how do we get it back to them? (laughs) Yes. It's like, yeah, how can we get this back? Yeah, because the Philistines came and stole it, and they were like, oh, crap. There have been like six cities that have been struck down by pestilence, and the Temple of Dagon keeps like (laughs) falling over and crushing itself because it's in the presence of the Ark of God. Right. That's so friggin' awesome. I'd never read that before until, well, I'd never paid attention to that before recently, as much as I paid attention to like, uh, who is it? Is it Isaiah that's at the, uh, or no? Elijah is the one who calls down and says your your God might be relieving himself in the yeah. other area, right? I love that part because I go, oh, that's my God, yeah. that's my God that t- t- pulls out that stuff. But then there's an even cooler moment that there's no human involved. It's just flat out the mercy seat is in the area yeah. of the people that shouldn't have it, and God's like, nah, yeah. I'm gonna take this back. Yeah. This is how I yep. do this kind of thing. It's like that's awesome, man. So now, so so again, you roll it up. And here's, the, I think the risk is that the graciousness and um, relatability that is expressed in Jesus does not cancel out the prescribed call to do things in a certain way, to live a certain way that God gives. And like, even it's even the old, even thinking of the instructions in the Old Testament from God, he's not actually, he's not more restrictive. It's not like Jesus liberated um, right now, he, the, the, what the relationship the Israelites had um, as a nation state, as like a, a nation who acted in a certain way politically, versus like what it is to live in the covenant that Jesus then brings, mm-hmm. is a shift for them because they lose a relationship to the temple. But that's because whatever Jesus is here, right? right? Um, but like from get, thinking from a Gentile behavior, you're not we're not more we're not less restrictive than we ever were. Um, as a matter of fact, in, in many ways, it is more commanding over how you live because right. it starts to prescribe not not specific behaviors, but ways of looking at people. Yeah, right. Which are certainly harder. It's any stuff. Yeah. And so I, I just I, so then I think about we may be um, I think there is a caution in helping people in their fallibility um, where, where we do folks a disservice and I do myself a disservice. By thinking of these things as casual suggestions from a God who loves me. Right. They are they are firm directions yeah. from a God who loves me. Um, because why wouldn't you be very clear and directive about, hey, these things are destroying you. These things are destroying people right. around you. You are opening yourselves up to, to, to situations that you shouldn't be in. Or, frankly, the work of God is not able to progress into the world because of the hardness of your heart and your lack of forgiveness. We're like, God, I'm really trying, but this person hurt me, and I'm going to need a few years to work through it. And, like, he expects you to repent yeah. of all kinds of things pretty directly. And the, these things are, are – are the, I don't think there's any reason to let go of that just because it's humanly hard. Now, what your repentance may mean, God, I accept that you're right. Right. Right now. I accept mm-hmm. you're right. 
and I, it doesn't matter what I think or feel about it. I need you to walk with me to let it go. But I'm gonna. But I will turn from that and 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 force physical action to reflect the changes that you're making in my life. But like, I'm not gonna wait till we agree. Mm-hmm. That's the fallibility of it. Yeah. Like, well, I'll I'll let go of this particular sin. Like, the way to say it in honesty is when I'm good and ready. <laughs> what we say is I'm still working through it. You know, I really struggle with it, Lord. Blah blah blah. Uh, Lord, I, I I'll forgive this person. Like, I'm just not in the right space for it. And what I'm energized by my anger. Like, what I don't care. Whatever it is. And again, don't. I'm not dismissing that these are super difficult things. Addictions are hard. Sin will take you over. Uh, forgiving people who are nasty people who try to destroy you is dang hard and it may take you 50 years to have a peaceful human earthly feeling about it but you still have to repent from behavior and actions that are don't align with what god calls as good and that that relates to his holiness when he says don't touch the thing as it falls you don't touch the thing as it falls when he's when you're supposed to wait when there's one guy who can make the sacrifice even if you're like well god i know i think god would like this if i did this it's the end result but he said there's only one guy that do it then you dang well wait till that guy does it right the end result the result is obedience you think it would have been different if they would have asked him and then and then Saul commissioned Yahweh and said Yahweh, I would like to offer. What should this. I do? Yes, it's I would like to offer this sacrifice without Samuel here, which he did all the time. Like up to that point, he had done it many times, asking God about that stuff and like to to tell him, should I go up against them? Yes. When you hear this, I will send about. You will know that I have gone before you and taken the Philistines. And then Saul's like, awesome, I'm going to go. And then another time, should I go? No, don't go because I told you this. Like he's he's done this before many times. Yeah. And this is the time that he goes, I think I know what God is going to want in this situation. Skip a step. Yeah. And I'm just going to go ahead and do it because, like, God called it, and God probably called them up against the Philistines to even go where they were going to war, whether yeah. it was the Valley of Salt or wherever. Yeah. Like, he called them there, but like, if there was a sacrifice that needed to be done, like, he needed to do it the right way, and it wasn't the end result that he needed to do the right way; it was the obedience to Yahweh that he needed to do the right way. Yeah, just like when Moses showboated the rock tap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or when he killed that guy. Yes, or when he killed the guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Moses. Well, he killed the guy. Yeah. Anyway, like I, I just, I think it's a reclaiming of some sense of balance that doesn't take anything away from Jesus's mercy and love and and, and right. like awesomeness of of walking as a human. Um, but I, th- I think we read it the wrong way, and it's probably because we always read the New Testament first. You know, it's that's interesting because it the the concept that you, you even said like God's love perspective, like. I feel like I keep running into as I'm reading through the Old Testament and reading these stories. A lot of the times I catch myself going, oh, I don't know if I would have done it that way if I were God. <laughs> or sure. I don't know if I'd call that love because he's like, hey, you need to kill all these people and get them out of your way. This is your land. And at the other flip of it, I'm like, but you said don't kill people. Like, that's not how that goes. And it's funny because I, I, I keep running into this thought of like, I am absolutely not the holder of what is good and right. Like, my heart and mind are not the ones who determine whether or not something is right or good. I can't possibly understand love more than God does to go like, oh, super unloving of God that he had killed all those people and blah, 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 because I have this thought, this selfish thought that I have the right push on that. And that's one of the things that's flipped for me a lot in the last couple of months of really kind of slamming my way through Old Testament has been like, 
if this is a story of God through a people and like I'm supposed to be gleaning the 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 identity of of a God uh, of Yahweh in this, mm-hmm. it really threw off like I can't define love or justice or righteousness or things like the, that in my selfish human understanding of them based off of a really rough morality code that I probably break on a daily basis. And so if I take a step back and don't look at that pridefully or or self-righteously and go, I'm not the one who holds the right answers in this. So there's no way I can go look at that Bible and the stories of God and go, man, God was really rough in that moment because it was, he was always just and yep. he was always righteous and always loving. Even in I command you to go kill those people. It is love incarnate that's happening there. He's redeeming his entire creation through a peoples that all these things have to happen for him to absolve the curses that were thrown upon them, for him to be able to redeem them through the ultimate story of his son, Jesus. Jesus and the living spirit being a part of us and no longer needing temple stuff like that. Right. Like it's as you look at it to weave its way through a redemptive story from the beginning that God played out that like I created you, you screwed up almost immediately and I have to do this because I love you and I'm going to redeem you so that you can be one with me again or, or walk in the garden with me again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And in case this is helpful just to kind of, uh, to, to, to tie off the, um, some of our moral issues with God, you know, kicking the Canaanites out. Let me ask this question. Would you reasonably pray that you knew there's a guy who was a um, who was a, a, a child predator and he's on his way to the house uh, to go do terrible things to a six year old? And you said and you said, Lord, if there's if this man is out doing these things, I want you to stop him before he gets there. Dude gets hit by a train. You have a problem with that? No. Then you don't have a problem with the Canaanites. Or the That's Egyptians, true. they were doing some some rough stuff for like Molech. Or the Jebusites, right, right. Like, and and now they, they, here's where your quarrel is. Like, well, can we just maimed him, and uh, maybe the guy should have lived? And like, I, maybe I don't know. But what I'm telling you is, is that like the very notion of the things that you would pray actively for God to intervene in, uh, and then He intervenes, yeah. in a way that otherwise stops moral corruption and harm to people, like. What, which one did you want? Right. Yeah. Did you want him to stay out of it or do you want him to get in on it? But yeah. like you got to choose one. And so I get – and now I I think actually as humans, it's right that you have a problem with this because you can't – you are irresponsible. Yep. Like you should feel the depth of your own irresponsibility by going, that's heavy. I couldn't – I couldn't justify that in my own mind. It's because you're not capable of a moral good of that level that that of which that is an okay outpouring. That's why I'm almost – like war is particularly difficult, right? Because it's a human's judgment is, is this worth it? And how many times have we been wrong? Most of them, right? Most of them. And so, uh, so I get it's, it's okay that it weighs differently on you, but as a conception, as a concept, um, you, you really shouldn't have a problem with God having stepped in on moral corruptness and done something about it. Like that shouldn't bother you. Yeah. And, and, and actually like it, it's lost in some of the explanations. Right. But like, the level of depravity that's coming out of those societies is not like the fact that God wants them destroyed and not assimilated, right? It speaks to right the level of which God says this cannot continue. Yeah, don't even keep their children or livestock. Yeah, right. like, <laughs> and they didn't even do it. Like the Israelites didn't no. even do it, and God didn't do anything after that. He didn't go, look, you failed to do it. I'm going to send a plague. He didn't. No, they stayed. They stayed mainly as servants. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you're listening live from the path. I don't know. You guys got any thoughts on that? Go ahead and just uh, hit us up on the complaint line. The Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. Call or text. We'd love to be able to hear from you. I don't know. 
Like, it seems like a lot to sort out. And uh, I don't know. Maybe you have some thoughts. Maybe the Lord's talking to you about it and uh, or whatever. I'd, I'd be interested in, in uh, any comments you might have. Yeah, let us know if that's the first time you've heard the word cavalier in the mm. last six months. I've, see, the problem is I find one word and I like it. And then I'm going to overuse it for the next <laughs> six weeks. And then someone else is going to take it up. And I'm like, Man, I don't think you're using that right. And then I'm going to let it go. My it's wife says I say of you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My wife says I say bellwether all the time. Oh, like I don't know why. It just comes up in conversation a whole lot. Yeah, I love that word. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. Don't look at me like that. Okay. All right. Hey, there was an article, uh, and it's, it's an editorial from New Release today. It was uh, titled "What the Bleep Is Happening to Christian Music." Oh. A few years back, I wrote the most visited editorial in our site's history, titled "No More Bleeping Christian Music." It went viral overnight, instantly enraging one side while empowering the other, complete with plenty of snark and accompanying gifes. I took a brave, deep dive into the dark and dank corners of the Christian music industry, corners where artists dropped F-bombs in their worship without warning, welcomed guest artists who didn't subscribe to the Kool-Aid, and justifications of being honest and real poured over anyone who batted an eye. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about, this honest and real business, the celebration of refusing God's holiness. Pretty scandalous stuff. The editorial was read tens of thousands of times, and I fielded thousands of comments, something any writer always loves to see happen. Engagement is not, well, nobody cares. In this article, or judge-filled rant, depending on your perch, I litigated the curse word in Christian circles and questioned its necessity in the music that most of us have grown to love, respect, and trust. I worried that we were beginning to see a shift in acceptable lyrics, and we were witnessing the early stages of what I viewed at the time as an epidemic. While I'll admit that we're not to the point of what we all experienced over the past couple of years, the issue hasn't exactly disappeared either. Multiple times a month, our team drops singles from our playlist on Spotify and Apple Music, deletes albums from the site, and pivots away from artists who decide to swear or be overtly sexual in their music. It's making good on a promise I made at the time that as a Christian media company, okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm proud to say New Release Today has held to the standard. Why? It's not because we determined years ago to sit on a throne and play content police, pointing out everyone's faults according to our plank-filled eyes. Gross. It's because we care about you, our readers, Christian music fans, parents of kids, youth pastors, radio programmers, developing minds, other artists, all coming to us to seek refuge from the barrage of what society continues to deliver and plug in as acceptable. Um, I find myself perplexed that I'm here again writing about the content of what we continue to hear and see in Christian music. I guess it's been a busier month than usual, and some recent developments have ignited new alarms. Okay, so here's a couple examples. In the past two months, we've had a few glaring examples of how this issue continues to invade what once was sacred space. Derek Webb, a self-professed Christian music agitator, released a video just in time for Pride Month for his controversial LGBTQ-affirming track, Boys Will Be Girls. In it, he teamed up with Christian musician and drag queen, Flamey Grant, cute, who recently activated his fan base to prove his relevancy and scored a temporary number one album and song on iTunes. The music video captured the transition of Webb from his typical white t-shirt and 5 o'clock shadow, the accompanying flame-fanning press release read, into a fully bedazzled and blue-wigged drag queen. Always wanted to get ahead of a controversy. Derek's team had response baked in for all the comments they would eventually get. Well, you know what they say, read one doozy of a line, there's no hate like Christian love. <laughs> yes. That was actually in a press release for a Christian song. Let's call all the detractors hate-filled bigots before they even open their arrogant, out-of-touch mouths. Preach it. <laughs> Let it be forever known that I don't care if Derek Webb thinks I'm a bigot. And how dare you mock Amy Grant? She's a legend. <clears throat> Let's see. I was trying to think. Look, there's another one. Uh, oh, here we go. Capital Christian Music Group, owned by Universal Music, is the largest producer and publisher of Christian music. 
They have dominated for decades. Their artist roster far exceeds any other label or label group in Christian music. So they've got Newsboys, Hillsong, Chris Tomlin, Jeremy Camp, Toby, Toby Mac, blah, blah, blah. This past week, they emailed out new music from Jesus Culture, We the Kingdom, Belonging Company. Hey, We the Kingdom's got new music out. All right. All right. And the new album video from Dante Bow. That last inclusion surprised me because Dante's new album is getting lots of attention for all the wrong reasons. The recently released music video for his vibey summer gospel jam, Wind Me Up, features dozens of scantily clad women parting up in a sexual pose after pose. The lyrics are about desire, companionship, and arguably lust. His album is full of more of the same in between some great worshipful moments, but it's hard to know what I'm getting into when we're talking about Jesus's nail-scarred hands one moment and giving in to sexual desires while dropping bombs multiple times on the bridge in the next. The same major label group saw Judah, all capitals, one of its artists, release a new single this past week titled Beatitudes, complete with an explicit version and a family version. He drops the phrase, I'm out of F's on verse 2. The clean version of this Christian song changes it to, I'm out of Lux. This is new and something I haven't seen. We have a major Christian label pushing sexual and explicit lyrics and videos alongside legacy church worship albums and contemporary Christian artists. Well, that's not confusing at all. Okay. Anyway, that's probably enough of that. Well, I don't know. Reaction? Is he being too persnickety? Or is he protecting the right types of things? Good. Yeah. What else? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's protecting the right types of things. I think there is a distinct difference between worship music and Christian music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, any of the things that we've just talked about is uh, it's definitely strange fire category for worship music. That's mm-hmm. a that's a solid no. Definitely not. I don't. I don't know that. I I don't want it in in Christian music either. Um, but like, um, I was just thinking of a song that I, that there's a couple songs that I can think of that have street, street swear words in them that I actually like, and they're Christian, they're Christian, you know, music. And like one of them was, um, there's a song called prophesy your promise. And like, I, for some reason, I really like these words, but it's going to come off a little foul, but it says like in the middle of the chorus, it says fear can go to hell. Shame can go there too. I know who I am. I belong to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's yep. the lyrics, right? Yeah. And so, like, you could have not said that. You could have not said that. There's a there's a power in the way that it was said, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily I, I'm not offended by it. I, that's also just an American swear. I uh, mean, agreed. It's not even a Bible right. problem. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But now, but then again, so is so is the F word. Except for it's, yeah. it, it like it points. I have a harder time with swear words that point back to actions. Or uh, devaluing hmm. acts, right? In in a slang way that is, I don't know, that treats us less less set apart than God created it to be, right? Like, so if someone's going to yeah. say the a word, you know, or whatever to reference your rear, like I, you're not degrading anything, right? It's just we've decided that that word is no good, yeah. right? Uh, the, the f word, the b word, you know what I'm saying? Words that like are 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 om- almost only said in derogatory or cheapening something that God has honored. Those words I have a harder time with. Yeah. And I think that they have zero business in in Christian music at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um I, I think that like the the he makes a good point of of hiding behind like, like full honesty, right? Like I use bad language around the fellows in this room more than anyone in my life. Right when I swear, it's around other Christian dudes 
especially these Christian dudes, because it's not a stumbling block for them. I still don't use those words, <laughs> right? But right. Like, in general, like if I was going to say a bad word, it would be around these fellas, because there's no risk here, right? Like everyone in this room is following Jesus, uh, and like I don't see it as a stumbling block to them, and uh, sometimes I probably just find it uh, a more comedic phrase than using a different phrase. I'm not saying that's good and right and holy. I'm not saying you should live that way. I'm just saying that if I'm just being honest, I, I swear more around the guys in this room right. than I do anywhere else, and I was a construction worker. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, the, the various people, um, it, you have different groups of friends and relatives and communities, and, like, the types of words that are acceptable in one company are maybe not the same. You know, the types yeah. of words my grandma would use uh, are, are different than the types of words that I, or, that I could use in front of her are different than the types of words I would use in here. And so, like, I, I know, and I wish Dan were here because I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, this is, this is, um, uh, we don't agree on this. Yeah, yeah I think this is contentious. Him. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but like, I, I don't know. I, I've, you got two problems. One, are you being, are you being vulgar and crass? Um, that, then you, that should be out. Um, and two is if you're not being vulgar and crass, but it's something that society otherwise says is not good. And you know that by doing that, using that word in front of someone else, it gives them the wrong impression about something else. Yeah. Then I think you should protect that just because like, why would you be so selfish about that? Like, this is not about your rights. Like, right. why wouldn't you? And so I, th- this gets to Mike's point where like, I actually, uh, I'm cavalier. Like, I th- like there's some words that don't like society may have a problem with, but like in a, in a context like this, I just, there's no, it's no consequence. It's not being used crassly and no one is stumbling over it. Like these are just words, like sil- like sounds we've strung together. I, there's no reason to overcook the fish. There's no moral authority in the United States that says which words are good and bad. Like we're, we're generally using a bunch of like 1950s level of, can I say this or can't I, uh, I could get to say TT and caca and I can't otherwise use like I'm out. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't say those words. That made me physically uncomfortable. <laughs> As it should. Okay. And so like people who are unwilling to say something because they thought it would be like didn't have the right conversation around things because you wouldn't use a word that's got some points to it. And so like I don't I think that's there's you're overcooking the fish. But like am I sensitive? Like in a Christian song that you're gonna publish, like right. here's the thing. That was for you. That was for you. That was for you and your attention. You got to say, like, is it crass to say I got no F's to give? Well, I mean, you're not using it in a crass way, but you failed You failed evaluation point number two. You knew this was going to be a stumbling block right. for people. And rather than your work pointing people to Jesus, now we're talking about you. And you're going to what? Stiff arm someone about Christian liberty because you want to say it? That's not, That's selfish and dumb. Yeah, and also the fact that the Christian music genre only exists because Yahweh exists, right? Like that genre is only available— because of a worship of of God, right? So, like, if you want to if you want to pull that on other music genres that have no context or or a point back to uh, a risen Savior, then I, that gets to be your freedom, right? But yeah. like at the end of the day, the platform that you're using, of which you are making money, feeding your family, gaining fame and notoriety, exists does not exist without Him, right? And so, like, the platform is you owe Him all of it. Right. And and you're not using it that way. You're using it as a as a platform to be a big deal or a more real guy. As if like I've met some pretty rough customers, obviously. And uh I've talked to them about Jesus before and like yeah, it's a different conversation than I have with my kids. Right. And it's a different conversation than I have with someone who is older than me from a generation that would not uh take a strongly worded even without 
swear words in it, right? Like even a strongly worded conversation comes off offensive too, you know? And so like, uh, I, those conversations will differ by people, but I have, I can't think of one reason why I would ever proclaim the good news and have to pepper it with, uh, with the world's version of crass language. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to regale you fellas in the room of a story on how I slipped on the ice outside and fell on my caboose, yeah, I'm going to say, you guys never guess, but I totally biffed it on my beep on the way in. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone would go, ha, 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 I know what you meant. Right? Like, not crass, just a story. Right? But, like, I've not ever once tried to, and, and once again, like, if you were to say, like, take Jesus at his word and say, when you're put in situations, when, when you need something to say, like, because the gospel doesn't come out like a pamphlet all the time, right? Then you shut up, and I will do the talking. The Holy Spirit will show up. The Holy Spirit ain't showing up with that word. <laughs> right? He's going to speak to hearts, you know? And frankly, like, that when it comes to the language thing, I, I know this is contentious, right? But, like, um, some people, it's an addiction. Some people, it owns them, right? Yeah. They can't control the fact that every third word out of their mouth is an F-bomb, right? Like, because right. of the situations they were in or the, the family they grew up in or whatever, like, it owns you. There's a difference between that language owning you and you owning it. Like, you use it when you choose to use it, not because it... It defines you. Yeah, I've been on both sides of those coins. Yes. Uh, for sure. Like, I'd be working in bars, just hearing all that all day, every day. I mean, my language was foul, like foul at all times. And I would fake it in front of people that I didn't want to disrespect. But the real me was the one that was dropping F's every three words. And then I've been on the flip side where it's like, I can use colorful language, but it doesn't like, it doesn't break down my communication and it doesn't hurt anybody else. It's just like, this is kind of just in that moment, I used it for emphasis or I, I used it to tell a different story or a colorful story that, that I thought was funny with that context. And and so yeah, it's I've mostly for been, comedic reasons. Yeah. Like, hey, I dropped the A bomb. <laughs> funny. You know, I don't swear when I'm angry for sure. No, like I I same. Yeah. Like those words don't come out of my mouth ever in anger, right? <laughs> like it's always for like some kind of comic flair. And maybe that's not good either. Like if you feel like that's a conviction that we're wrong about, I'm open to hearing that. Yeah. My wife calls me out because I have uh, apparently to her I have the funniest road rage on the planet. Because like I'll I will not I would never flip somebody off on the road if they almost cut me off or if somebody like you know even bumped my car or something I'm not coming out screaming Effie at him in angry angry moments I'll be like I hope you have a good rest of your day and it's just like that's the way that comes out for me that's my angry language is is funny ridiculous passive aggressiveness yeah. I never drop Effies or scream at people with with like harsh language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I think overall the 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 it's it's profane. Because the platform that you're that you're using it on exists only because a holy God exists, and I, maybe that's that that's a weak reason to to find it disgraceful. Well, but like I guess in general, if you're gonna if you're gonna, well, yeah, yeah. If you didn't say this is a Christian album, you didn't market it as one. You said, look, I'm just a dude, and like half your songs were worship tunes, and the other half were ladies on a beach. Yeah, I mean, I think you're living a confused life, friend. <laughs> Uh, and like, like I don't, again, I guess that's the thing. There's a difference. There's a difference in struggling with something or go, yeah, Hey man, like, you know, trying to, I, I find myself constantly drawn into the life with these ladies and the booze and the whatever. And then, and like, okay, maybe you are. And maybe I sympathize with that. And then you go, "Uh, it's true though. And so then I set up a 15 hour video shoot to demonstrate (laughs) all my struggles. Yeah. That part's different. Like, like, okay, like that's not, you're being dishonest and that's it. I don't like to be jacked with, 
I don't like you to jack with me. You're lying to me. If you were just open about it and said, look, I, I think I'll sell more records under a Christian label. And so I'm going to try to get that because you guys are suckers. And and maybe six of the tunes were awesome. And you know what? I'll wash them to it anyway because you can't fort yeah, God's right. good plans. I don't care. Yeah. But David was a rough fella and he wrote some sweet psalms. Yeah. Right. And so fine. I think we I'll work with whatever you put out there. Um is it okay for this guy to protect that and go, nah, I can't recommend this because like this guy's playing, you know, he's playing you. And if you can get, if you can worship to some of these things, go ahead. But like, I don't want it to be a surprise that this person is, is not a good influence. And right. that's probably, that's probably a key lesson to learn. Yes. Uh, is that like, you got to be cautious about these folks, you know, you don't put them on a pedestal either. They're, they are humans and you should be gracious and patient with that. But there's a difference between people who are trying to walk humbly with their God and people who are just trying to make money from you. Yeah, right. And you should I know think that. I like it. You like the it's swearing? What? Yeah, the swearing. Okay, hit me. Think about this. Swear at him. <laughs> Let me swear at you for a minute. Okay. <clears throat> you got these fellows, right? They're singing tunes and uh, they may be biblically based in nature and they're just a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we shouldn't put them up on a pedestal. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, them swearing in the song, one, is a stark reminder of that. And two, like, they're, they're, if they're putting in a song, they walk around and talk like that. They're, so, so for them to not do that, it seems like a front. It seems like a, a fraud. Like a repentance. No. Like, like a change from the thing that you know you shouldn't do. No, they're doing it anyway, though. So you think they're being so, more authentic oh, so to themselves? They're stubbornly lacking repentance. No, that's not what I'm saying. They're using words that I think that, uh, like we just said, you know, uh, comedy and and uh, doesn't doesn't actually you know necessarily mean anything because it's all a bunch of syllables mashed together. Do you th- do you legitimately think though that they don't recognize that this could be a stumbling block? I think maybe, but also like if you know you have like. You know, uh, uh, what's what, what do I want to say here? Like, uh, like Troy was saying, hang out in the bars. You know, your blue collar man. He uh, he he uses the uh, the cussies with uh, no regard. He, you know, that's just how people talk. And so maybe this fella is, uh, you know, regaled. Okay, with, funny uh, enough though, the rest of his album contains no profanity. He decides to drop it one time in a song called "The Beatitudes." Yeah. Like, let me ask you this, Nathaniel, you've taught youth group, right? Yeah. You ever swear during your youth group presentations? I've wanted to. Okay, but <laughs> excellent point. I appreciate the honesty of that. Wait, but did you? No. No, because you know, right? I've I've taught many a sermon. I've never swore during a sermon. Even, even if I got some loose lips outside in a particular context, I've never done it. Same. Right? It's controllable. That's true. Yeah, I say F is... Uh, just because it's part of my language for the most part, if I'm in the right crowd, that I feel like it's okay. Uh, but I've never cursed in front of my mother and or mother-in-law, like ever, not once. I wouldn't do it because it would be disrespectful to them, and I think it would throw off their thoughts of, of me and my character based off of that. Yeah, basically, based on Nathaniel's argument, we just killed our brother and then said, what am I, my brother's keeper? Am I in charge of keeping this guy from harm? I get to be me. No, I, I do Frank see where did it his way. I do <laughs> see where you're coming from, though. There's an authenticity to like this is my normal language, and so I'm not going to change that or anything just to write a worship song. Like this is how I talk, mm. and and I'm trying to pour out my authentic self into my work. Is that, that kind of be- cover what you're saying? I mean, maybe this is me. Have you ever been praying and you, you while you're praying, you're you're doing the cusses? I mean, I've screamed at God in cuss words. Oh, sure. 
Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I've not. That's not happening personally, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I have. Boy, I mean, terrifying. Not, okay, now hold on a minute. Is is that not different than recording it, doing 25 takes, writing the words down intentionally, listening to it, having your music, your A and R man go, dude, I'm not sure, and you go, yeah, totally, do it, release it. Yeah, Isn't and that different. And there's a recognition to it though that they re- they released a family version that didn't have it. They knew it. Yeah, that's yeah. the rough part. It's like you recognize play. that there's a split between who should and should not hear that. And calling it literally the family version is interesting uh, of like recognizing that in family wholesome areas, you shouldn't be saying effies. But like, who is like, if you're a single dude, you can listen to it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you're rough around the edges, yeah. you should take this in. Yeah. Are you a pile of crap like me? Effies. I'm, 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 to, to be clear, I'm not trying to defend this man's one song. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I get you. What I'm saying is I think Christian music should have swear words. Okay, so you're not defending this man, yeah. but you would like the area in which he's taken off, and yeah. so we should have more swears. Yeah, I so like that's interesting. To be clear, that's interesting because so like there's a there's an artist named NF. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have all ever heard of him, but if nope. not, okay, whatever. Get those NF. Um, he's a he's a Christian rapper, and um, he talks a lot about like uh, trauma. His mom um, died of an overdose of of drugs, and like left him, and he's got some angry stuff towards his his family, and some angry stuff towards other people. Like it's it's raw stuff, like it's real. Um, from what I can uh, really relate to, and his worship music, uh, I feel is a different style than when he's just kind of being a real human being and trying to equate that through his music and i think that's a different zone kind of like you're saying there's a difference between christian music and worship music i think you can have music that is intentionally worshiping and ascribing worth to the lord and that people can use to continue worship on their sundays on their drive to work or whatever and then there's some christian music that's more about like this life sometimes can be rough or sometimes this life can be great. And it's not necessarily a song that's just about Yahweh. It's just a song about life. And I think that I might advocate that, okay, if there's, if there's some music and language in that fine, but like exclusively, I think that if you're, if you're putting yourself out there with worship tunes that are meant to be a a description of, of God's worth and offering him good incense i would never say that that's the right place to have that and then on the flip side of the the vulgar stuff and like sexuality uh absolutely not especially if you're doing a video with scantily clad ladies Uh, like you know that that's rough for everybody you're just putting that out there because you're trying to to appeal to people is that different for you nathaniel or do you think they should do the sexually clad ladies too no i i think get rid of that why Uh, why is that okay it just it seems different. Why? Um Prostrate yourself. Yeah. So like I'm gonna write a song called Dudes Be Struggling. Okay. And then and then I'm gonna fill it. It's got it's, it's got a dude in a pickup truck with a Bible next to him in the parking lot of a strip club. Dudes be struggling with saying the following words. Dudes be struggling with and looking it's at an this. Acrostic of yeah. the, it's an acrostic of the F word. Yeah. yeah, let me describe the things that I shouldn't be looking at that I'd be struggling with. Like, I don't... No. Nah. Well, I, I, here's the thing. is It's also... Uh, it's impersonal. Right? Like, um, I see conversational realism to be 
way more real, right? Opposed to a commercial song that you're selling to a masses that you don't know, right? You're not making a connection. You're not like, hey, know me for real. They know you in a phony way because you're presented an album to them of your best cuts. I didn't hear the first 10 that you put out that stunk (laughs) like a diaper, right? Like you produced it, you shined it up, you put it on on iTunes with you looking at a mirror giving the double guns, and then you're like, look, world, this is me. It is not you. So, is like, there, selling your authenticity to a bunch of people you don't know is a bit of a hard claim. I feel like music is that, though. It's a two-way street. Like, yeah, I get it. It's the commercial music where you're making money off it, right? Like, that's your, you're making money off of it because you are appealing to a large audience, and the bigger audience you can appeal to, the more money you're going to make because people are going to buy music that they feel like they can relate to. I get that. But, like, there's a level of, I think, that there's some artists, obviously not all of them, that are, it's, it is a... It is a healing thing for them to write out the things that they're dealing with, whether it's rough stuff or whether it's positive things going on, things that are relating to their lives, and that they feel like they are putting out as their ministry or whatever to be able to relate to people out there that could listen to their music and then go, no one has ever understood me before, but this person does with this music. I feel like I have plenty of songs that I can listen to that I go, I didn't have those words, but now that I've heard them, I appreciate that they were said because I can pull from that and go, dang it, that makes sense to me. I can relate to that and I feel better having having an association to someone who's who's put out this kind of music. Yeah. The fact that God's in your life, though, right? Like that's the, the whole game changer because like God shows up in the situation then you're in, that you're in and then calls you out of it. It's not enough just to show up and pat people on the back and say, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, don't, I don't disagree, actually. Well, there, I think there's two tiers to it. First of all, no one is, to Mike's point, no one's just releasing music like the first time they played it. Right. They're practicing it. They're yeah. getting it right. So I, the, the, you're still posturing. Yeah. There's people still in the room a, are rewriting it. Yeah. And, yeah, and, then, and, you're just, and sometimes people who are like very earnest musicians will go, that's too commercial. I won't release that. that was, they actually did, right? They wrote something and mm-hmm. then rejected publishing it based upon its perception of being too mainstream. And so, but second to that, I think there are like, this is the the magic in artistry where people can say something. I think you put it in a really cool way. Like people say something in a way that you couldn't find the words for, That's but then true. you can borrow someone else's yeah. words. Okay. Are you That's telling worship music of, of, right, exactly. And so are you telling me of the, like the amount of words available? The only way to communicate that right. in that song is that word. I'm not buying it. Yeah. I get I'm not that. buying it. Sometimes. Sometimes it hit different. <laughs> Sometimes it do be like that, Nathaniel. <laughs> Dudes be struggling with this. Plus, and this. what is Christian? I mean, I understand the difference between worship music and you know Christian music, but like, what is Christian music? You know, is it just a dude? People who, who call themselves Christian releasing music, right? Well, okay, so yeah, so this guy's in a unique the position. The killers are Christian, like the 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 new release Tuesday guy, because he's he's like. He's got a newsletter. Yeah, I mean, says, I, yeah, I'm, people pres- I, subscribe to his yeah his view on things. Yeah, he can gatekeep all he wants. You know, I don't I don't care. But like, <laughs> I, I I yeah. I just think you know if you're putting out tunes and uh like, and you call yourself a Christian, you know, cuss it up. Sure, do it. <laughs> I just I don't understand why you like how you hold this position based upon the conversation we just had. Like I like I'm because like, I feel like. Maybe maybe I'm thinking about cuss words wrong, but I feel like they don't actually, you know, especially even it. Okay, think about not necessarily the words themselves, but what they're 
but what they're pointing to, right? Like, let's just use his phrase, right? I got no Fs to give. Is there any reason I would use that type of phrase in any regular conversation, authentic or not? I have no having sex with another person to give. It makes zero sense. Yeah, but that's not what it means. Oh, okay. But would you let your kids listen to it? That's a toughie. Would you be all right if your kid's saying it? As long as they kept it in the non-crass context, you'd be okay with it. To everybody. I mean, because this is a song for everybody. This is a song that, like, anybody can listen to. And so, you don't, not, we gave the example that, like, individual situations and circumstances, maybe it's okay. Uh, But we're saying, like, general. And so, your kid starts using it. You're like, yeah, it's fine. Honestly, I know this sounds, this is going to sound outrageous. But I would say, yes. If that you know, if if I but but no, because I don't want them to be seen as something like crass or or, or weird, like in go. a society that sees that as crass and like unacceptable. Yes, you know what I mean. But like, it would be unnecessarily pot stirring. Yeah, that's the point. For what? For for a personal because I want to. Sure. Yes. Yes, sure. That, that that's my point. Is that like it's not for it's not for any furthering of anything that's good. It's simply because I. It's a very American posture to go because I want to, and I should be able to. And it's almost it, in that situation, like the person is using it as a way to to seem more relevant and approachable uh, with the music that is meant to be Christian music, right? Like that. You're absolutely right. There's no reason that that's the way that needs to be said. Uh, I'm all out of F's, I think, if I remember uh, specifically what it said. Like, it, it's not an enriching part of the song. It's not like a particularly powerful lyric, and it's not something that couldn't have been, like, used in another way. And they're probably not, you know, putting it in there going, oh, man, this is how I talk, and they can't change me, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And even if they were, it really wouldn't even matter. Even if they but, did, like, yeah, I don't yeah, think it matters. It wouldn't even matter. But, like, it, it, it's more of the – and it's the same situation, I think – Interestingly enough, I think it's the same situation as the person that does Girls Can Be Boys, because it is a way to relate to a larger audience in a Christian medium like that is that that song was written to be inclusive of people that feel excluded from this space. Throwing an Effie on a song called The Beatitudes feels the exact same to me. It is it is trying to be the cool Christian that like, oh, we say Mm. the F word, too. Okay. Like we drop them too. So it's also a bit of arrogance on our part, right? Because like I don't completely disagree with some of the things Nathaniel's saying. Like I like um but it's the pernicious belief that that your love is better than his. Right? The way that you would talk to him would be a better way than God would talk to him. If you spoke to him in this way, it would speak more volume than if the Holy Spirit had done the talking and not used that word. So so it's it's basically saying, Lord, I know what the end, I know what you want is an end result, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, get, but I'm gonna get there my way to get the things that you want, like Saul, like <laughs> Abinadab and uh, Abihu, or whatever, like so, but Aaron's does that, kids. Does that like the change? Guy the ark. Does that change the way that you look that uh, at the way that we talk? No, because 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 I think that like there's a difference in context. I think there's a difference if there was a, if there's a hard issue because actually here's the thing is that like there is a hard issue that says I know this is going to cause that this has right. caused my brother to stumble even if I think he's a self righteous turd. Wait, what? So my what about that would be causing stumble. someone to stumble though? Like to Nathaniel's point, right? Like, what if all Christians just now decided they could use the S word? 
Would it really degrade us in any way? I don't think it's the fact that the Christians would be degraded. I think it's it's a it, it feels like another way to allow or invite an attack on God's character based off of his people if we are doing things that we know uh society says is 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 like a rough thing and you would never expect a real christian to do yeah i mean actually i was just about to say something that like most people on a christian podcast wouldn't say like they wouldn't use the words i'm going to use but like timothy cut penis to make sure that the thing that he didn't do like the the, his situation was not a barrier to other people meeting jesus Mm -hmm. right so the like like they would even know and he said he and he does it okay and so like but even even that, what do, do we not know the situation? I have no idea what you're talking He's about. Saying Timothy he, cut penis, uh, he, he gets <laughs> circumcised, right? He, oh, okay. I thought I thought you might have been saying he wanted to say the word penis in his letter, but no, then he no. was like, "All oh, the Greeks are going to take away." No, word. he gets <laughs> he, right. No, think of think whatever. The, oh, hey man, you can't use this word or not. The guy goes, "Look, I don't want it to be a barrier." Is it, is it okay that he's uncircumcised? Of course, God doesn't care. But he goes, I don't want it to be a barrier right. contextually. And it was a specific group of people. He didn't have to do that to the mission to the Gentiles. But because of where he was going to go, he goes, He knew it was going to be an issue. I'm going to okay, do So this. let's call it a weigh and measure, right? Is the most important thing to be known in Christian music that God is good? Or is the most important thing to be known is that you're dope real? Like you are street real. Is what is the what is the thing we lead with? What is the thing that we want people to know? Is it more important that you know how real I am because of the words I use, opposed to how good God is? I mean, the God is good is always the most important. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't. I don't look at those as as so contentious that it's one or the other. It definitely is though. Like that. Like it is, especially with uh, tranny song and uh, the. And the the guy who put the f bomb in there for no discernible reason, and the overly sexualized summer romp of a gospel tune. Right, you had to cho- you had to choose one or the other. Yeah, okay, I see your point. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Then of course, the God is good is the more important. Disagree, Nathaniel? No, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Your freedom should elicit. You should be able to do what you want. That trumps what that God is good. He's throwing no. you back in back in the face. <laughs> I'm just asking. I I sympath now. Okay, but let's, so so let's see where where can I sympathize with the thing that Nathaniel is saying? Is the question is well? Here's, here's what gets interesting. Everybody's fake. In some right. way, yes. Everybody's fake. In it's some, all sinners writing about a perfect God. Of course, of course. And like it's some sort of polished view of yourself. And some of it is hey, like I want to connect with the person who thinks that they're outside of God's love. And if I do it this way, then they'll hear that maybe that's a bridge. But like. Again, I, I just I think we there, you should have a very strong caution to go. Hey, this is something that I think that although is outside of the prescribed means of which God says is okay. As a matter of fact, flies in a few of its phases. I think it. I think it'll ultimately get to what we want. So, like you handle it your way, God. I'll do it my way, and we'll meet at the end. And like, yeah, it just seems like a no. Like it does. God's are not God's means. The proper ways to get to the end. Can I not trust it? And because this actually, so we take it to a, a completely different field of play. This is this is um, Jesus's mostly described pacifism. Do I think in 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 most cases nonviolence works? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do, do a few people die in the process? Probably. Right. But does is that the thing that where things ultimately change? Yeah, way more likely. Where do humans normally go? Well, I hear what you're saying, God. I hear the right way to approach this. But like, here's the human ends. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look weak. Uh, I want I, I think this actually protects my family. I think this gets to where we want to be. And so I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure it's fundamentally different. 
Maybe Nathaniel's right. No, he's not. I heard a song. Maybe like a week ago, or maybe like two weeks ago, and it was like the the gospel for laborers or uh, worship for laborers. Yeah, that's a like good that. song. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and it said it says the a word in it, yeah. and I heard it, and I immediately went like, yeah, yeah, I know that word. I use that word. <laughs> this feels like a friend. This feels like me. And then 15 minutes later, I heard it again. I went. Just got suckered into that crap, didn't I? <laughs> I just got flat out suckered into this crap because they're like, guess what? We cuss too. And I'm just like, crap, this is not the right place for it. Would you write a liturgy for that? No. Like if you were writing a liturgy for your family, for your church, would you would you be using words that God wouldn't like? No. That feels like it's the worship music, though, side of things, rather than just a guy who is a Christian Right in music. Right, yeah, the distinction between Christian worship. Okay, that's not a problem for the publishing industry, but why isn't it a problem for the guy? If you're like, what what distinction do you make that I'm a Christian and here sometimes I put up worship music and then sometimes God, hold tight, I do my own thing. Isn't every? I mean, especially because you're given the option, like like, uh, will you catch me swearing off the cuff more than you will catch me swearing in a prepared way? You know what I'm saying? Like, like in a, in a casual conversation where I'm coming up with the first things that come out of my mind and heart, will you find me swearing more in that situation? Yes, yes, right. So, but if you have the opportunity to craft, yeah, uh, to vet, right, to craft yep. a thing and present it to somebody, I would clean up the parts yep. of me that, like, uh, that, like, after having a second thought about it, I'm like, ah, you know, I probably Absolutely. that's. I mean, most of the problem in my whole life has been things that have come out of my mouth that I'm like, dang it. I could go for a take back. I did not actually yeah. mean that thing that I said. I said the worst possible thing at that moment. Dang it. So like the the the, the true part of me wishes I wouldn't have said that. The, yeah. the real me, right? The person goes, like, crap, I, I, I wish I would have been able to think of that faster and have done better. So like if you, the honest me wants to, doesn't honestly want to have said what I said, the honest me wants to go, crap, I wish I wasn't such a defunct, broken sinner. Right. I wouldn't have said that thing. Given the opportunity to manufacture this 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 thing that you're putting out there, which is what you're doing with the words regardless, you could have put out the better version of yourself. Yeah, so the question is, is like, am, am I posturing? If I clean up my, if I clean up myself, is that a posture or is it a right revealing Right, that like, if given the opportunity, it's not a posture. It's me making a cleaning up I was a gonna mistake. Say, I yeah, had made. exactly. And you, I screwed up. And you I'm should repenting always be doing it. that. Yes, right. That's right. Yep. I, and I don't think it's a problem to write a song that goes, "Hey, I screwed up." <laughs> right. That's fine. Right. Like, it doesn't I, need to be like I effed up by Hillsong. Right. That's right. This isn't a covering up. This is like, but are you intentionally using things to like? Can you say, for example, "Hey, I, I struggle with." Again, I've struggled with staying out of the life of a musician that puts me at these risks. Sure. Do you have to describe it in graphic detail? And do you have to use foul language to get there? No. It's Absolutely not right. necessary. Right. Because then you're not thinking on things that are good and right and holy. Yeah. Right? You're not Philippians your way through life. You're focusing on sin and reverse worshiping the thing that you're running from, the thing that you're trying to rescue from. Yeah. Like I heard someone give a testimony one time before their baptism. And like used real flowery language, mm-hmm. like wrote it down in their phone as the speech. And I had that. Every, I'm like, I mean, I get that this is you and like you're trying to be real in this. But like you you deliberately chose to like write that down, vet it out, read it aloud, like did not care about the repercussions of that or the the image that you're putting out there. Like, 
I mean, I get that you're trying to be yourself in your testimony, but why not be your best self in your testimony? Not yeah, not this rough. You could say I'm still in sin stuff. Yes, I was in a trap house last week. Opposed yeah, to right, yes. I was in an effing trap house last right, week. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I was being just, a real B word. I'm like, I, come on. There yeah. are so many better ways you could put that. It's not even really descriptive. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you could not be in a room that is more tolerable of low-level swearing. Straight up. As yeah. Christian folks. Uh, but for some reason, I find this re- reprehensible. I just don't, I don't see any reason for it. I think it's because it's about it's. It, it seems like a uh, it, it's a selfish thing because like I can't say uh, God on your time I'll do the God honoring stuff and then right. uh, on my own time I'm a pornographer yeah of which I'm making money off Lots. of your Christian music genre it doesn't he doesn't own it but you know what I'm saying his name's in the genre what are you talking about he owns the cattle on a thousand hills not even his name. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I I know why uh I I think I think the risk just because there's a risk that you gloss over difficulties in life I get it like you want to protect the ability for reality you want to protect the ability that says look can't we all interact with like shouldn't we start isn't there honesty in saying who I am of course yeah of course but yeah. like even at my most honest I don't introduce concepts to my kids that will cause them to stumble that they that they're not mature enough to understand or deal with. And here's when you're and here's the thing in this room I have I know you fellas I know your backgrounds I have a sense for these things are going to be stumbling blocks these are not I work with Buva I I swear on the phone to Buva at my place of employment. I don't have I, this does not hit me at all. Yeah, it and it's not, never once been a thing between the two of us. We're like, man, we really feel like we're delving into sin because of this conversation. Yeah, it just does not get me one bit. Um, however, I wrote, uh, and I think I've told this story on, uh, on the show before, but like I wrote something to graduate college. Uh, I w- it was just like a, a more liberal college, and I just wrote. It was crass. The, the, I wrote a story of a piece of fiction, and it was crass. It contained crass themes. It was funny as crap, uh, but it was like very. It, it just I shouldn't have done it. I feel, and again, give me over two or three months. I feel guilty about it. I, I I wish I could take pull it from the annals at the college that no one could reference it. That's got my name associated with it because it was. It, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, and I don't think two shakes about having sworn to Buva somewhere last week on the phone. Right. And because it's different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a stumbling different. block for either of us. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change our faith. It doesn't shake anything between us and how we know each other or our relationship with God. Nothing, nothing changes with that. It's just, it's a word. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, I, I get it. And I, I think we're always, it just relates, I think to our first set of conversations again, like you're talking about. Uh, the sense of human balance between the familiarity of God and the holiness of God. And here it is, is the honesty uh, and humility it takes to express yourself on what you, where your humanity's at, balanced with the notion of what God calls you to be or who God calls you to be and his power to get you there. Um, and I think these are different conversations um, individually in your interaction with God and your interaction with the community that can sharpen iron with each other than it is on something you're producing mass producing to large groups of people. I think you have a responsibility, just like I have a responsibility the minute I'm going to preach on something, I've taken it upon myself to represent Yahweh in some way or another in a public forum. Even if you're not a pastor, even if you're not a worship musician, you're just a musician. You never cut anything that's no worship tunes or anything. You're still a person who follows Jesus, who said, I'm going to produce something with the explicit intention of a ton of people hearing it. What are you doing with that responsibility? And does it point to you or does it point to Jesus? 
You're listening to Life from the Path. All right, we got time for one. Okay. Ready? Yep. Dear Life from the Path, is it rude to move the front passenger seat in a car if you are only going to be in it for a short time? My fiance and I have been together nine years. Oh. I don't own a car, so he takes me everywhere, and I have the passenger seat adjusted perfectly. When his 17-year-old daughter, who is only in the car once a month or so, gets in his car, the first thing she does is move the passenger seat. We're about the same height and weight, and I see no need for her to do it when she's only in the car for 20 minutes or so. My fiancé refuses to ask her to leave the seat where it is, but I feel she's being disrespectful and that he should say something to her about it. Please help. This is causing a lot of arguments and hurt feelings. I'm going to take this one. Okay. Shut up. You are incredibly selfish. This is a ridiculous thing that happens to you once a month that you apparently are so stuck on that it causes arguments between you and your nine-year fiancé about this person's 17-year-old daughter who 17-year-old anythings habitually think of what? Themselves. And ironically, so do you. Grow up. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this. The reason your fiancé is not talking to his 17-year-old daughter is one, because this is dumb, and two, he's protecting you. Because you look ridiculous. Yeah. I would be embarrassed if I had to bring this up. Yep. Although I tell you this, though, like if someone moved the seat in a car, I'm convinced I can never get it back to where I had it. It doesn't <laughs> it's matter. It's the Goldilocks where, zone. It doesn't matter where I put it. I'm like, that was, it's not quite right. It's like the perfect level of comfort, like right as you have to get out of bed for the day, but you're yeah. up, you don't want to get up. And it's like, I just achieved perfect comfy. Yeah. I, and the second you. I leave this bed to go take a pee, when I come back, I've, I will have lost it's all comfort. Right. Pillow's going to be all ganked the, up. You know what's funny about this? Is like, I actually had this thought about two years ago, and I thought, like, when does this kick in? Because I've just never had this fickleness about why seat is positioned. So, like, my wife, we got two vehicles, and, like, one of them's a truck. And so, at any given time, someone may need it to go pick up something or other. So, like, my wife drives that. My oldest daughter will drive the truck. Uh, Otherwise, the truck is primarily mine to drive. That seat is all over the place. And, like... I never have got into it and gone, I cannot believe it. Like, I just moved the seat back, and it's probably not where I had it, but, like, it'll get me there. I've just, I'm waiting for it to kick in. Has this not happened to me yet? Like, it's two years down the road? I I just especially don't... those seats that have, like, nine different adjustments. I'm like, why'd they move Where's the Where's my lumbar, lumbar support? You should really, <laughs> I mean, you should really only have to move the front to back, I guess, for a pedal reachage. Uh, but like, I don't know why you adjust the back support because no matter where I put it, I'm like, it's not right. And nothing, it's not doing anything. No. It's just Chrysler's way of saying, we're going to charge you four grand more. Yeah. What the heck? Nathaniel, do you have this problem? I, I have before, like if I drive in a vehicle that my mother's driven in recently, she, I don't know why my dad does it too. I think like, uh, and they're the only people I know who have their seats set like this where it's one. They're both kind of short, so yep. it makes a little sense that they're close to the steering wheel. Yeah. But also, they like do a, le- a lean forward. It's the weirdest thing ever. Oh. It's a lean forward. It's it's a negative angle for your back. Which is not the most comfortable for driving around in. That's weird. And so, but like, if I'm driving around there in their car, I don't want to, I don't mess with it. Like, so even, just, if I have to, I'll just deal with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't, I feel like they, they will uh, be like, oh, these took our car and messed up the seat <laughs> and so uh i just leave it alone now i say i will be uncomfy i may have a different take on this for myself than i do for my very harsh words for the the person who wrote into us lovingly i <laughs> as as many people know have uh, uh afflicted upon myself um 
a status condition. We'll call it obesity. Okay. Um, now, I have forced myself to be a fatty, fatty pizza pie guy, right? Like, for me, it's a necessity. I have to move yeah. the seat. Max this I'm, thing to the back seat. I'm, I'm almost six foot four, and I weigh more than 185 pounds. Okay? Don't worry about the level of, of how much more. More. How much more? Lots. Yeah. Open gator. Whole bunch. <laughs> Add a tiger. Whole bunch. My wife is the size of my left leg, and we have a small little four-door coupe. Uh, and when she gets in the car, I have to put it all the way up and all the way forward. And when I get in the car, I do the exact opposite. I put it all the way down and all the way back. <laughs> it's it's literally, we are the antithesis of each other when it comes to the settings of this car. Now, every once in a while, I'll go, oh, gosh, like I got to make sure, and I put the seat back to where it goes, because it makes sense to be courteous for her that I've done that, because then when she gets in the car again, it's sweet. She goes, oh, he thought of me. You know, it's back in its original position. If there's a situation where she's gotten out of the car where it's at where she sits and I'm about to get in the car, if I'm not paying attention, we're in a real pickle because there's a chance that I might get wedged between the seat and the frame of the car or something until I can put the seat back down to where it goes. So, like, it's rough times for me most of the time. But I'm also not the the kind of obesity that I'm like, that's fat phobic. I just go, it's just a, it's a setting we're on just a different. I would mo- I would mostly be irritated by the 15 seconds it takes. That's it. <laughs> yes, because some of the times people stare me down. Like where they're like, "What's that guy doing?" As I'm like bent completely over, disappearing into, into the window. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a situation where I can. The the big thing is I can't sit down and adjust it. I have to adjust it before I can yeah, sit outside down. the car. Whereas anyone else can sit into the car and adjust it to where yeah. it needs to go. It's yeah. the very opposite of each other. But I've never once gone how disrespectful of someone else to have changed the setting on my vehicle that. I can't now. I can't sit where I'm supposed to go because most of the time I'm never going to go. Hey, I'm fat and this is a problem. It's your fault. Yeah. Most of the time I'm going to go. Yeah, I did this to myself. Remember all those McDonald's trips? Especially this is what you get, Muva. The passenger seat, like the right. driver's seat, is almost normally defined passenger by who owns the car, right? Like yes. who dri- who drives this thing the majority of the time. To Nathaniel's point, I don't try to fool with people's driver's seats much uh, because it's their rig. Right, right. But when I get in the passenger seat, it's free for all, man. Yes, I get to do whatever it's an I want. Expectation. That's right. You don't have to sit here. I don't even have to drive. There's no safety concerns with me moving to seat around. It's merely for my comfort. Yeah. Every adjustment being made is for comfort. Friggin' Goldilocks is upset that that perfect level of of uh, achieved seat position is messed up once a month. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Put I- that in any other perspective, you're gonna go, man. I'm a fool. They move the salt and pepper shakers once a month, and I hate them for it. Yeah, it's like, you've been together since this little girl was what, eight. Eight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You've known this child since. Eight. Here's I, the deal. I'm gonna go real sensitive, Booba, for a second. There's more crap going on. I agree. You need to deal with that. Yeah. There's probably some other points of contention between you and the 17 year old that is not your child that probably has stuff going on with actual mom or dad or whatever. Yeah. There's stuff there. This is this is just the the most easily point outable annoyance that you have without having to be called out for bigger things. No, that kid gets in the car and says, I got no ifs. Right. And then moves the car seat. Screw you, Elizabeth. <laughs> You're not my real mom. Wow. Uh, okay, so overall advice is you're being ridiculous. Yep, you dropped this directly. Okay, the question was, uh, but I feel she's being disrespectful and that she should say something to her about it. Please help. Okay, Segular says, I'll try. 
If you value the relationship you have with your fiancé of nine years, stop sniping at his daughter and adjust the seat to its original position once a month when you enter the car. This isn't a competition over who he prefers, so stop trying to turn it into one. Is that legit? Yeah. That was great. Nice! Yeah. Way to go, Secular! Wow. That's one of the best ones I've ever heard. I don't like it when we agree with Secular. Agreed, that's it true. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Dangerous. Right. We just go, ooh. Yeah. I'm sitting in this honestly, hot tub. If it if it really bothered me, like sometimes you can't control the small stupid things that bother you. Yeah. Right? And you're like, this really bothers me. This is dumb though. I shouldn't be upset about this. I would turn it into a game. I'd be like, hey, uh, listen, Sarah. Right. When you get in a car, like count how many seconds of back you're going so I can put it back in my place. I get feisty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're right. like, it's ridiculous. And I'm like, make it fun and be mature. I'll count it. And so like we can count to one, two, hold it, and then we can high five because we developed that I was a little neurotic and we could all laugh at this yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. that's true what an awesome opportunity to show love to somebody who might be feeling rough yeah all right you're listening to live from the path uh i don't know uh, this one could be contentious for you too maybe let us know 515-517-0085 call or text that's the bob eisenhower live from the path complaint line we would love to hear from you and get your thoughts on the show and uh let's see i'm not sure i think we might be off uh, you're getting used to this we might be a week or two i think people get some traveling going on um and uh so i'm not quite sure when we'll cut another show certainly it'll be weeks not months but uh, in the meantime be faithful in the means god will handle the ends you've been listening to live from the path